Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. The word fear is defined as follows. 1. A feeling of agitation and anxiety caused by the presence or imminence of danger. 2. A feeling of disquiet or apprehension. 3. Extreme reverence or awe as toward a supreme power. 4. To hypothesize or consider probable, to expect. 5. A terrible movie starring Mark Wahlberg. There are some words that belong to all of us, but mean something different to each of us. The following series is a form of documentary theater that asks us to define such words through creative but deeply personal confessions. Some of its contents will be humorous, some will be shocking, some will be moving, but all of it will be honest, unapologetic, and anonymous. Chatterbox Audio Theater presents The Human Experience, a new series created and directed by Kyle Hatley. Episode 2, Fear. The Closet Door. Once, when I was ten, this to me is real, by the way, as real as any memory, as anything I've ever recalled. Once, when I was ten, I had this dream. I dreamt I was sleeping in my bed and heard a knock at the door. But the knocking wasn't coming from the door into my room. It was coming from my closet. I eased out of bed and stood before the closet door, which had one of those rectangular mirrors tacked onto it, and I could see my reflection. The knocking continued from behind the closet door. I moved slowly toward it and saw the strangest thing. As I moved toward the closet door, my reflection moved further away. Another knock came from behind the closet door. I was close now, and my young hand reached out to the knob and twisted it open. My grandfather, eyes rolled back, fell dead to the floor. I woke up in what I guess people call a cold sweat, relieved it was only a dream. Three hours later, the phone would ring with the news that my grandfather had just died in his sleep. Heights. On the summit of what I perceive as a large crag, I am paralyzed. This isn't my first free climb on this beast and probably won't be my last. However, I cannot move. Down climbing and bivouacking are not options. After a short period of time, my legs are starting to tire and shake uncontrollably. In one instant, the ground is miles away. The next, it is four feet. What is making it even harder are my sweating hands. Even if I could free myself from this mental cage, I don't think I could physically make it down. Uncontrollably crying and thinking I will never leave this damn place, stuck forever, I cling to one of the metal railings that make up this geodesic dome and wait. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of a lot, and I'm afraid that I just like to make lists. It's kind of what I do. Whether or not I adhere to these lists is not the point. The point is, I've been thinking in lists lately, lists that try to be specific in listing confessional details of what I'm afraid of, so here are my lists. 
10 lists of five things I'm afraid of. List one. One, I'm afraid of flying. Two, of being eaten alive. Three, of burning alive. Four, of dying alone. Five, of dying in general. Fear of the Father. If black is the color of fear and mourning, then white is the color of emptiness and absence. His world is white now. Everything from the bed sheets and walls to the nurse's sensible shoes. White. At least tell me why you hate me, he says. I think I'm owed that much. You're owed? I smirk. What in your experience suggests you're owed anything? Owed by whom? I am not a bad man, he insists. His eyes are weak and scared. He coughs deeply, so deeply that his bones rattle. Are you still my father? He asks. No, I say. My son? No, I say. Who am I? And even now, I am unable to tell him. I don't want to die alone, he says. I watch vital statistics on a black monitor. Pulse, blood pressure, respiratory rate, all falling now. I am scared. I am alone. And I am dying. My eyes grow heavy and close as the world around me fades to black. And I miss even the emptiness of white. Always be afraid. I have to be scared to be happy. I have to have fear to consider myself a success. I have to look back at the stomach knots and the sleepless nights as victims I slew to feel I've accomplished something. I want to be afraid, but conversely, I fear fear. I take each step in life I can to avoid anxiety. I make choices based on what will keep me safe. I walk through the decisions in my mind with a knife in hand ready to strike at what may harm me in the same way I walk through my house when I hear a strange noise. I'm invigorated by the fear of a challenge, but terrified of what my own response might be. The fear of fear paralyzes me. I long to move forward, but I'm scared of regret. Isn't that all fear ever is? Whether I'm scared of turning a corner to find a man waiting for me in the dark, waiting to spill my blood to cause me pain, or afraid of the obstacle I may not conquer, of the mistakes I might make that will cause pain, it's all the same fear. But without it pushing me, I stand still. I'd never learn. I'd never be safe. I'd never be happy. Empty fear. There's almost nothing I'm afraid of. Over the years, I've fallen off mountains, been attacked by animals, stayed awake for surgery. 
It takes a lot to scare me. When I was 16, an injury resurfaced, and I remember watching my left calf swell three times its normal size. The muscle had retorn and weakened substantially. For three minutes, my entire world fell apart. My stomach shrank, light focused into a pinpoint, and the blood from my head settled around my kneecaps. My fingers wouldn't work, my mouth was bone dry, and my leg was throbbing with each heartbeat. If what the doctor was saying was true, my entire life would change. Everything now, everything in my future, it was all lost. I wasn't going to be able to skate, run, climb, or walk properly. For the first time in my life, I had no idea what the future held. It was nothing. That made me afraid. On the plus side, my leg is in good shape these days. But every now and then, that same empty fear comes back. Scary shit that makes you stop and think. For my contribution to this piece, I would first like to say thank you. Thank you for making me think about the word and how it applies to me personally. We don't often do that, do we? No, I guess not. As human beings, we're more likely to gloss over things we think we have an honest handle on, and that's fine, because that's human. But in my endeavor to generate something fascinating or scandalizing or just plain old interesting, I discovered that I am not a writer. Just a person who likes to think and talk and look shit up online and share things I find personally troubling when it comes to considering my own relationship with the word fear. So here we go. Part 1. A human head remains conscious for about 15 to 20 seconds after it has been decapitated. Over 2,500 left-handed people are killed each year from using products made for right-handed people. On average, right-handed people live nine years longer than their left-handed counterparts. Only one in two billion people live to be 116 years old or older. Here's one that cheers. In the United States, poisoning is the fourth leading cause of death among children. Here's one we've heard before. In contrast, each year, the average person will eat several insects while they're sleeping. Now, during an average lifetime, a person consumes about 70 insects and 10 spiders during their sleep. According to some sources, beetles have a taste that is similar to apples, while wasps taste like pine nuts. That's fucking gross. But not nearly as gross as this. The average bed contains 2 to 6 million dust mites. A cockroach will live nine days without its head. Now, you think that's gross? The only reason it will only live nine days without its head is because it dies of starvation without it. Laundry after sunset. I'm afraid of my basement. Still. Like a child. And I hate it. Mostly because that's where my washer and dryer are, and I still have to get shit done even though I'm afraid of it. But let's face it. It freaks me out. It's fucking dark down there. There are spiders. Pull-string light bulbs that flicker like light bulbs flicker before a disfigured murderer jumps out at his innocent victims in the movies. Windows that don't lock as well as my landlord thinks. And I know the place is haunted because after I pull the aforementioned scary, flickering light bulb string, I feel this evil presence follow me as I bravely walk upstairs. I actually run up the stairs, flailing my arms to propel me faster into the light because it's fucking scary down there. But worst of all, 
there is space below the freestanding slotted stairs that someone, anyone, could hide behind, reach through, and cut my Achilles' tendon, rendering me helpless in a heap on the cold concrete floor so they could, of course, rape and murder me, leaving me for the spiders and enigmatic evil spirit presence in the glow of a single, swinging, pull-string, light bulb. This is not normal. I recognize it. But it's the reason I don't do laundry after sunset. These questions. What happens if you don't trust yourself? What happens then? I'm still young, but as I get older, it seems as though fear is the result of a lack of trust in yourself. A lack of confidence, I suppose. Where does that confidence come from? Are people just... Born with it? Is it acquired? Is it earned? Or is it just bullshit? I mean, do people claim that they have confidence when secretly they're just as scared as I am? I think that scares me more, actually. The very human ability to lie to yourself and to others so effectively, it becomes who you are. Or am I just crazy? Is it just me asking these questions? I don't know. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List two. One, I'm afraid of failed love. Two, of false truths that forge true falsehoods. Three, of losing people I love. Four, I fear loneliness. Five, I fear I don't know the difference between love and the fear of loneliness. I'm fucking scared. Do you ever wonder if he loves you just because he doesn't want you to have someone else? Or that he only loves me because I'm coveted? And now that we're together, is he only trying to make it work because he can't bear the thought of me fucking someone else, or loving someone else, or holding someone else's hand, or seeing the rest of my life with someone else? Or is this what love really is? Because the truth is, I don't want him to have someone else, and he's coveted, and now that we're together, I can't bear the thought of him fucking someone else, or loving someone else, or holding someone else's hand, or seeing the rest of his life with someone else. Jesus. Is this what love really is? If so, I'm fucking scared. A fear of fairy tales. Good ones. My biggest fear is that my fairy tale won't come true. Poof. Yes, I believe in fairy tales. I believe in purple unicorns. I believe in Keebler elves. I believe in spirits and souls. I believe in wishing on a star. Don't you? My biggest belief is love. I love you. I've believed in it my whole life because my parents taught me how. Didn't yours? And I went out into the world finding families everywhere through this... love. I'm on the healthy, happy, vivid page where I'm supposed to be. As are you, right? But... Perhaps you're not my knight in shining armor, and... Like you once said... I'm not your perfect princess. So I'm afraid. And I think you are too. Frightened that we can be so full of love and fear at the same time. Terrified that I'm wasting time, wasting your time. Troubled that I've forgiven too much in hopes of pasting together a ripped page. Anxious that I'm sharing my fairy tale with someone who's writing a different novel. Are you writing at all? Fear. I think, should remind us that we are ever-changing, 
ever-growing, ever-redreaming our fairy tales in full color. Fear should live in fairy tales, good ones. But it shouldn't rule love, our love. Creator of stars, every single Sunday, everyone, you wake up and put on the dress you ironed the night before. You enjoy your cup of tea made from that drastically Dutch kettle that your husband got you when you were blah, blah, blah. Separate the inserts in the newspaper. Set aside the sections worth pouring over. Sports goes straight to the recycling. Ah, I look at the clock and you grab your keys before you're too late for your Sunday chat with Father O'Wardney. Every single Sunday, you shake hands and you peace be with you. Every single Sunday, you sing the closing hymn with your eyes closed so tight that you see stars and fireworks in the darkness. Every single Sunday, you make the choice to believe that there is something greater, that you will not be alone, that the man you spent years falling asleep next to did not leave you alone. There is something greater. There has to be something greater. I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. I lay my head down, eyes unclosed, wait to hear him sleep, litany of what I did or didn't do to set him off. Hopefully, I learn. Do I breathe too hard? Flinch. Did I enjoy my friends too much? Recoil. He turns. He flings a heavy arm around me, Feet searching, a flesh chain. And then they come. The dreams of wrinkled paper crushed inside, dissonant weeping. I fold, sweat, break. I stop breathing. I scream inside the trap I made, paralyzed, alone. Fear takes the me of me and shoves it to the deepest corners of unknowing. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Can I get out before he begins? And now, even now, I look over my shoulder when I get home. Plethora. I'm afraid I'm sterile. Or rather, I'm afraid for what happens when she finds out I can't get her pregnant. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List three. One, I'm afraid of not fully realizing my potential. Two, of subtracting rather than adding to my field of practice. Three, of not being as talented as people seem to think I am. Four, of being too lucky. Five, of being found out. Fearlessness. You're safe. You're good when you're safe. But you already know that. So now is the time for you to risk. What do you have to fear? Failure? Nope. An artist's life is a fucking grind. Rejection is an occupational hazard. Divorce it from an appraisal of your self-worth. Work, create, and pursue with a sense of invincibility. Heartbreak? It's just another form of rejection. You've had your heart broken. Who hasn't? Like rejection is a part of art, it's a given we'll go through life with a few big boot prints on these hearts of ours. Death? Inevitable. Your father passes away. Six days later, she calls you. Her estranged mother dies. 
You steal each other through these twin tragedies, laughing through tears, saying, no matter what happens from here on out, at least it wasn't as bad as that week. And this still holds true. So what do you have to fear? Now it's the time for you to risk. You don't believe that you're going to fail, do you? No? I didn't think so. Throw yourself out there with abandon. My Kryptonite, or the worst super feeling in the world. <laughs> what can I say about fear? When does it not completely control me? Fear of failure, fear of success, fear of joy that won't last, fear of grief that won't end, fear that I'm losing time, fear that I haven't identified the right priorities. I, I live each day consumed by my own unique, or maybe not so unique, fear and anxiety. And I embrace it so profoundly that I allow it to debilitate me. I will actually hide from people and responsibilities due to my fear. Fear of judgment. Fear of rejection. Fear of embarrassment. Fear of making mistakes and being haunted by my choices made. I find fear to be unavoidable, customarily speaking. I mean, if it's genuine fear or insecurity, it, it invades my sleep. My dreams, my rest, my only relief from the consequences of being awake and actively making decisions guided by my irrational fear. I, I am ignorant with fear. It, it is the ultimate mental block. It gets in the way of brilliance, rational thought, physical intimacy, communication, happiness, exciting adventures, important life lessons. Shoot me. I sit. I sit, I sit like a cliché, alone in a hallway full of people staring at a magnolia tree, wondering if anyone else is looking at this tree, or has ever looked at this tree in the way I'm looking at this tree. It's a pretty tree. And it starts, it creeps up my cheeks like shame, but it's not. It has more pricks and pearls than that. It makes my brain crackle. Little memories cycle over and over, and I do a little penance for each one in time to the song that's running through my head, one he gave to me that I can't remember the title to. And now there's a squirrel in the tree. It's moving around my body now. It's abandoned my cheeks and found a way to my darker places, making it impossible to sit in this hallway by the magnolia tree. I'm sinking into the unsinkable plastic chair. It's finally happened. I am irrelevant. I am forgettable. I am ordinary, and everybody knows it. I know it. The squirrel knows it. I'm squirming. The people of the hallway are looking at me. I consider running, but I am oddly concerned with scaring the squirrel. I don't want to die in this hallway. And then it's over. The rush of the feeling subsides, and I am still here, sitting. It's always like that. The fire of the fear, the excitement of it pushes forward like a kiss with nowhere else to go but where it goes. And what it leaves is worse than the thing itself. Regret eats the fear and settles in for a long winter. Fearless. Fear is an adrenaline rush right before going into battle to accomplish something great. Fear warns you of danger ahead. Fear is a great friend that you don't want as a roommate, there to keep you honest, not there to cripple the freedom of your decisions. 
The fear of rejection is a common aspect among humans. To have that fear is inconsequential to how one moves past it. Love is not possible without moving past this fear, but it is also the excitement of love. The thrill of abandoning that fear and being brave empowers us. Show me someone willing to risk getting hurt for great reward, and I'll show you someone who has mastered fear. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List four. One, I'm afraid of myself. Two, of being too much like my parents or not enough like them. Three, of my addictions, drinking, smoking, and sex. Four, I fear that my thoughts wander too freely and that my conscience will never find the discipline needed to be a normal human being. Five, I fear that I will never love myself. I'm brave. I consider myself to be a very brave person. I squash spiders, I stroll down dark alleyways, and I love the thrill of excitement and danger. I honestly couldn't think of a single thing in the world that I fear. But the longer I thought and the deeper I searched, I did find something. Myself. I scare the shit out of myself. I have a tendency to be self-destructive and let emotions get the best of me. I black out, sometimes due to alcohol. Like the time I woke up in my car somewhere in Blue Springs. No idea how I got there. Sometimes due to anger, like when I got the repair bill for someone's windshield that I happened to throw a parking cone through. Sometimes due to jealousy, like when I fucked up my marriage. More often due to my reckless behavior, like the three times I've been in jail. My biggest fear is that my impulses will project me on a path that I won't be able to recover from or buy my way out of. Yeah, I'm brave, and it could very well be the end of me. Indistinguishable. What are you once you've lost your luster? I envy trees. Trees always stand so stoically, and when they're blooming, they're beautiful. When they've blossomed, they're beautiful. When they're dying, they're beautiful. When they're dead, when they're dead and the luster is gone, you're okay. You're okay because you know it will return, and soon, and more beautifully than before. But for me, what of me? I earnestly think of myself as a girl on the wind. I am breeze, one breeze, carrying everyone and everything, wistfully, softly, with a tinge of the sunshine. And I'm happy to do it, because it's my purpose. But I fear. I fear and feel as if I'm not allowed to. It goes against me. I fear that I offer a thing that isn't enough, I fear as if I offer a thing that is fleeting at best. And when I allow it, the fear hits me tenfold. And it snowballs. I cannot get fat. I cannot slow down. I cannot stop pushing. I cannot stop serving you, and I cannot serve myself. And I cannot take the risk of becoming anything remotely ordinary. Because you will forget. You will forget about me. And it'll be easy. I haven't really left an imprint. I haven't left an impact anywhere. I'm just a breeze, light and unremarkable. And it will be lonely. And it will lead me to understand that I have failed. My small, fleeting stint as a something has left me, and I have nothing to show for it, and there is nothing on earth that can support me or hold me up. It would be an impossible task. And it will get lonelier, 
and I will feel my mother. I will feel her gaze through a cloud, hear her voice on the trash-laden breeze. You have done nothing. You have done nothing for me but disappoint. And her ghost will cease to guide me and choose to haunt me. <laughs> and she will be all I have. And her mountains of disappointment. I fear this. And I am told to stop. You're fine, you're fine, I tell you, you're fine. But what about me? What do I do? And I'm thankful. I am thankful that you want me to carry you along, gently guide you about. But when will I stop feeling so refreshing? When will I stop bringing you calm? When will I stop smelling so sweet? And when that day comes, will you wait around until I am reborn? Or will you leave me to die alone? Scary Shit That Makes You Stop and Think, Part 2. If you sneeze too hard, you can fracture a rib. If you try to suppress a sneeze, you can rupture a blood vessel in your head or neck, and you can die. Rats, Jesus, this is gross, rats multiply so quickly that in 18 months, two rats could have over one million descendants. You are more likely to be struck by lightning than to be eaten by a shark, but you are more likely to be infected by a flesh-eating bacteria than you are to be struck by lightning. When a pilot light in a gas barbecue fails to ignite the gas jets properly, it is easy for you to inhale gas accidentally while trying to light it by hand, and if this happens, when the match does light, sometimes a trail of fire will blaze from the jet into your mouth, filling your lungs with fire. Oddly enough, you would suffocate before burning to death as the flame would consume the oxygen in every breath you would take. Actor's Nightmare I'm afraid it'll be taken away from me. I'm afraid I'll never get to do it again. That no one will hire me. That I'm not good enough and soon everyone will figure that out. I'm afraid because this is all I've ever wanted to do and it's the only thing I'm really happy doing and if I don't get to do it, then who am I? Because this is how I define myself. I'm afraid that I'll never be able to support myself doing this. I'm afraid I have nothing to say, nothing to offer. That I'll leave for a bigger market and never be given a chance. Or that I'll stay here and never get any better. I'm afraid when I'm old, I'll look back on my life and ask myself, what was the point? I'm afraid. Momentary pause. Slightly reflective and only slightly overheard. My father once told me that you never truly become an adult until both your parents are dead. Now that he's gone, I have to admit, I'm afraid of that day. Fuck. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List five. One, I'm afraid of standing up for myself because I want people to like me, because I'm a good person and I think that I'm the only one who knows that. Two... I'm afraid of succumbing to more dominant powers, like my boss, like people who know secrets about me. I'm afraid, but I'm guilty of it, and I hate it. I honestly hate it. Three, I'm afraid of shrinking at the brilliance of others. Four, I'm afraid of how I might change if I actually, truly apply myself to my personal life and my work. Five, I'm afraid of change that is not controlled by me. Are grown-ups ever scared? It was after midnight as I theatrically searched my daughter's room for boogeymen, bandits, and Beelzebub. 
When I finished, she asked, Are grown-ups ever scared? I could have lied and promised her a rosy future where life experience and logic instantly quell all fears and doubts, a future where demons, devils, and dragons don't exist. But I didn't. Yes, I said, all the time. She searched her mental catalog of mythical creatures, trying to come up with some entity that was scary enough to frighten a full-grown man. Like of sharks and tigers? I smiled and nodded. Oh, good thing we don't have any of those in this town, she said. Satisfied her room was free of monsters, she curled up under her blankets and smiled. Good night, sweetheart. Back in my own bed, I closed my eyes, and my thoughts were filled with the grown-up hobgoblins of deadlines, bills, that leaking faucet, and... Tiny footsteps. A door opens, the click of a flashlight, and I open my eyes. Let's make sure there aren't any sharks or tigers in here. The Coke-Addicted Ghost Named Rose There once was a girl named Rose. She got off by a powder up her nose. She'd rinse and repeat, and it would raise her heartbeat and bring curls to the ends of her toes. Sure, the sex was great. But with Rose there were highs and lows to the stripping off of one's clothes. No line, no heat. No coke, no teat. Why she enjoyed it, nobody knows. But Rose goes to compose a rhyme, but finds that her nose needs to be primed. So she snorts a line. She does it all the time. With a racing heart, she's euphoric, even sublime. The day that Rose died of an overdose was a day that should have been morose. But it was not. She should have smoked pot, because now that bitch is a ghost. I am terrified of ghosts. But nothing terrifies me more than a coke-addicted ghost. Fatherhood Imagine what the scariest two words in the English language might be. Not tax audit or black mold, nope. The scariest has to be, I'm pregnant. It doesn't matter if you expect it or not, if it's planned or accidental. Those two words will change a man's life forever. The fear may start with, what now? Or, how am I going to provide for this child? Or, wait, we, we just did it one time. It continues on for years. You question everything you have ever thought about yourself. As a man, as a human being, everything changes. A simple trip to the grocery store could lead to orphan children, so... You make a will. You write down passwords and little-known facts. You draft letters to your child to be read after you're gone. As a father, you're scared for your toddler to cross the street or eat lead paint chips. Then it's too much junk food and television. Then it becomes the boys down the street. <sighs> Old enough to drive becomes a whole other neuroses. But we do it. We... 
embrace fatherhood. We have more children because a world without children is a scary place. Truly. Fear? I hunt for fear. I track down the things that frighten me because they make me grow the most when I defeat them. Fear is always one step ahead of your experience and where you stand, so I prepare for the challenge every day. If it isn't a challenge, why be afraid? It's okay to fear a challenge, but you have to fight. You have to grow. <laughs> That's the man I wish I was. To be honest, I hesitated before I even started writing this. I decided to write it anyway, but the real terror that stalks me every day, the one reason I live my life as a scared child is too terrifying for me to even write. If I had a spine, maybe. It's anonymous, right? But no, we'll leave it at this. I will live on knowing that I am a coward. And you will live on knowing me as happy, successful, and fearless. I'm truly afraid that I'll never be who I want to be. Or who you think I really am. White noise. There's something implied about being human. The high art of overcoming Death and horrible tragedies are vexing and endless, but so is birth and delight. There's something to be said about avoiding the white noise of the universe. You know, that feeling of being totally aware of your own existence. Every racing thought, every passing emotion, every color, texture, sensation, and dimension plaguing your mind in any given second of consciousness. White noise. Static like a TV losing its signal, like a TV on standby waiting for the next command. Action, forward motion, narrative are the only things that eliminate the human's cognizance of static. We are creatures of addiction. Our brains are hardwired to like the color red or the taste of chocolate ice cream or people with red hair or the kind of music that moves us. We have no say over the randomness of these arrangements, but we do have control over them. Or at least it is our mission to overcome these addictions. That is what sets us apart from the majority of the animal kingdom. Willpower. We overcome because we have to, or because we want to, or because we're curious. To avoid the static, we simply create narratives. We fall in love. We get a job. We procreate. We make our own stories and develop contexts for our experiences and base friendships, relationships, and journeys on those experiences. Fear is a direct component to the advancement of one's own narrative. And those of us that still hear the static will either get back in the game or take ourselves out of it forever. Personally, I think walking away from the game is a chicken shit way out of life. Fuck fear. Fear is fucking stupid. Fear makes everything go to shit. Fear is the reason why I can't just fucking talk to people. Fear is the reason why the love I had is no longer forever. Fear is the stupid fucking reason why my aunt, a wonderful woman by the way, took her own life. I am so incredibly pissed that fear even exists. But it does. 
it does exist. It seems as if no matter what a person fears, it can always be tied to the future. I can't just talk to people because I fear they will think I'm an awkward idiot. My forever kind of love ended because we feared our career paths were going to rip us apart. My aunt committed suicide out of the fear she had of what might not happen. I think what this life would be like if people didn't fear so much. People would be better. Our futures would be better. Hell, life would be so much better. That's for damn sure. Anyways, fuck fear. Seriously. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List six. One, I'm afraid of watching someone I know die. Two, I'm afraid of goodbyes. Three, I'm afraid of the unforeseen accident and the healing that must follow. Four, I'm afraid of life after death or no life after death. Five, I'm afraid of being wrong about there being no God. Shake. I was always afraid the plane was going to crash. I'd look out the window as we were taking off, and I always, for a split second, imagined the engines failing, sending us into a quick and fiery death below. In that second, I would see the fragility of my mortality, recognize my fear of death, and immediately appreciate the world I lived in and my place within it. But as my plane took off today, my appreciation never surfaced. The familiar image of the crash lingered on for a few seconds, and then a minute, then an hour, and I soon realized I couldn't push the thought of it out of my mind. I was fixated on the potential of it. More than that, I was actually willing it to happen. I wanted, no, needed the plane to crash. I needed to not go where I was going. I needed to not live the life I was living. I needed to not be here anymore. Death was no longer the fear. Living my life was the fear. All the burdens, pain, and sorrow that will come with it had become the fear. It is a fear of myself and of the future I don't know if I want. As I sit here writing this, I wonder if it, it is a fear I can ever shake. And I'm not sure I can. At least, not without a revolver in my mouth. A noose around my neck or a plane to crash down to earth in. Fear is funny that way. I really, really, really love my boobs. There was once a time that I did not love them. They are, compared to the national average, smaller than normal with the most common natural breast size in the U.S. being a B cup with the C cup the most coveted. So, I've spent serious time researching plastic surgery, looking at photos of what normal boobs are supposed to look like, mulling over options, thinking, what if? Over the years, I have also spent hundreds of dollars on bras that lift, squish together, and fill out in order to make dresses hang correctly and to, simply put, feel pretty. They also cause me cyclical physical pain due to cysts. When cysts are in your boobs, they displace the glands when they change shape due to hormonal fluctuations. Therefore, you can be at any given level on the pain scale, depending on what time of the month it is or how much stress you're under. They're typically harmless, just a nuisance. That said, my physician wanted a baseline and sent me to my first mammogram. 
To understand what this means for a small-chested woman with cysts, imagine, if you're a man, taking a C-clamp fitted with two sheets of anything cold and hard, like metal or glass, inserting your balls, and twisting it down until everything is flat, but hasn't busted yet. I did not cry, but I saw stars. I did not cry, but I developed a very temporary case of tinnitus. I did not cry. But worst of all, I felt old for the first time in my entire life. Despite this, I managed to cut a few jokes with the technician because, after all, these were just cysts, right? As I waited for the doctors to review the x-rays, I began to doubt what I knew about my body. This I know about cysts. They're typically smooth, grape-like, movable, and painful. Check, 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 and check. Left boob is all that. But what if they find something in the right? What if there's something malignant behind the existing cyst? The doctor didn't give me bad news, but he didn't give me good, either. He says he can't tell what he's seeing, so he wants me to schedule an ultrasound so they can get a better look. This was not a scenario I had entertained. I left the hospital that afternoon with a spike of cold, hard, numb, stupid, idiot fear driven through my heart by way of a tiny one-inch cyst below my left nipple. The doubt, the worry, and the quiet panic this would send coursing through the rest of my body and into my mind over the next week, I honestly believe, is what caused the hairs at my temple to turn white that year. I did not want anyone to cut into my skin and remove this cyst. I didn't even want it aspirated. So... To have the image of a possible lumpectomy or mastectomy imprinted in my psyche drove me out of my mind. I couldn't believe that just a few short weeks prior I was looking at a gallery of before and after pictures on some plastic surgeon's website. I went through various histrionics, seeing every moment of my life flash before my eyes, making lists of every friend I ever had, determining who needed apologies and who didn't, organizing things around my house, and ah, I am not the person who feels sorry for herself. I told myself. I am not the girl who gets scared. I told myself. It's just a cyst. Ultrasound day arrives. Goo on boob, technician with wand, bright lights all around. One swipe, didn't see it. Second swipe, there it is. It's a dark oval mass. That's good, right? Smooth, oval, movable, painful. This is what we want? I was craning my neck to see the monitor the technician was using, and finally she speaks. It's just assist. Assist? Yes, assist. You can get dressed. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, universe. Thank you, genetics. I was relieved. I was devastated. I wasn't afraid anymore. I was grateful. I was exhausted. I was now, more importantly, forever empathetic with women who aren't as lucky as me. Smooth, oval, movable, painful. You will never hear me complain. You will never see me get an optional operation. You may see me in a push-up bra, but that's only because I want my boobs to be all that they can be. But you will never see me afraid of dying. The only thing I am now afraid of is not fully living. I am grateful and completely in love with my lumpy, lovely, healthy boobs. Something funny, something real. I'm afraid of spiders, snakes, and carrot top. I'm also afraid of ghosts, demons, fate, and George Bush.
Likewise, I fear war, famine, religion, and any movie featuring Tyler Perry. I'm afraid of homeless people, robbery and murder, miscarriages, abortions, picketing signs, and bullhorns. I'm afraid of sexually transmitted diseases, lies, drugs, and American Idol. I'm afraid of Fox News, Sarah Palin, God, and my own sexual orientation. I fear genocide, rats, rape, and regret. I fear language barriers and clowns and dead things. I hate funerals, but I'm not afraid of them. I fear for soldiers and their families. I fear all of these things, but have known no greater fear than this. I fear being a mother. Standing on the edge of nowhere. It's the moment. My throat closing up, my vision becoming blurry, tiny beads of sweat forming on already risen hairs. It's the now. My breathing tight, my legs buckling, my thoughts flying away. It's the silence. My hand reaching out, grasping for yours. You're not there. It's the longing. Where did you go? Why did you leave? Why can't I bend these knees and run to find you? It's the knowing. This is not me. This is not who I am. This is not what I'm becoming. It's the acceptance. I have failed you. I have failed us. I have failed. It's the choice. Cry, scream, hold my breath. the definition. You have defined me. They have defined me. What happens when I can't define myself? It's opening my eyes to a dark room, to an empty house, to an empty bed, an empty me, alone, standing on the edge of something. Nothing. Nowhere. Just a dream, right? Junior year in college, I was standing somewhere and everything was dark. The floor, walls, ceiling. I had no idea how big or small this place was. I watched, observing myself trying to figure it out. Then it occurred to me, I was alone. Nobody was there. Not necessarily the people I know, but no one at all. Nothing was there, just nothing. I was completely alone, and I started panicking, and as I panicked, the place got darker and darker. I watched myself get consumed by it, flailing and screaming. I woke up to my arm, hitting the shelf by my bed under my loft, which absolutely no light gets under. I clawed at my lamp to turn it on and sat straight up, and I just held it, desperately looking for something real. Sheets, wood, sheetrock, cell phone, anything to prove to me that my dream wasn't real. I spent two hours sitting there trying to convince myself that what I experienced, that dream, was not real. I hate being by myself. The time I almost got murdered at Home Depot. When I was six, I took a shopping trip to Home Depot with my mom and my sister. 
Apparently, I got bored because I found myself playing pretend on one of the larger bottom shelves. While climbing through jungles of cardboard boxes, I was confronted by a man with a scruffy gray beard and long, stringy hair. He was yelling. I don't remember what he said, but he didn't like what I was doing. The next thing I remember was the man yelling at my mom, saying he almost shot me. The way I remember it, he was holding a gun. I grew up remembering this as the day I was almost killed. I realized several years later that the man was probably holding a price gun and had no intention of murdering me. But I'm still afraid to go into Home Depot. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List seven. One, I'm afraid of birds, all of them. They're just cold and evil. Two, of snakes. Three, of spiders. Four, of eating bugs on accident, by peer pressure or at gunpoint. Five, of dying because of an animal or insect bite. What a silly, insignificant way to go. Two girls and the spider between them. Once upon a time, there was this girl making love to her out-of-town girlfriend while her parents slept in the neighboring room. The sweat was sticky and the skin was hot, and their limbs were doing what horny limbs quietly do. All was lovely and pink and hard and tingly, quiet, off the radar, and soaking wet. But along came a strange sensation of eight little legs scurrying between our faces. So close they felt it move across both their kissing mouths. Upon their reaction, the scurrying bedfellow moved like a light tickle across the young out-of-town girl's breast and disappeared beneath the sheets where it made a not-so-invisible moving lump. The lovemaker's screams were muffled for fear of waking the parents. Hands covered mouths and lamps carefully clicked on, and the sheet lifted back to reveal a brown recluse spider. Now let's pause for a moment to understand more about the brown recluse spiders. The brown recluse bears a potentially deadly hemotoxic venom. Some bites may produce severe dermonocrotic lesions or even necrosis, which is, get this, the premature death of cells and living tissue. Fucking leprosy. Bites from these little bastards can cause leprosy. As the girlfriend from out of town covered her mouth and bit the inside of her palm, the girlfriend, whose parents were asleep, rolled up her Cosmo magazine and murdered the brown recluse, leaving a smudge of legs and insides in a disorganized tangle a few inches along the still sweaty sheets. The girlfriend from out of town released the tension in her hands and stared at the mess on the bed, then turned to her girlfriend, whose parents were still sleeping, and calmly said, That could have bit us. That could have bit us on our lip or on your chest. But the girl whose parents were sleeping thought to herself, Eventually I'm going to have to tell my parents. Mom, Dad, I'm gay. Fuck your nose. I'm afraid of clowns. Seriously. Not in that funny way, but in that way most people are afraid of dying, I'm afraid of clowns. Those fucking noses. Their smiles or frowns or whatever their painted themes choose to be. They're facades clowns. When I see one, I don't cry or, or turn away from them. No, instead, I wish death upon them. 
Once I saw this clown in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, he was fucking around on one of those goofy tricycle bike things that only kids find amusing. Parents kept forcing their petrified, crying children to take photos with this painted jerk who tried to ease the sea of weeping toddlers by introducing clever props. At one point, he pulled out a gun that shot a flag saying, bang. I watched this unbelievable bastard skip around in his yellow pants and big red shoes and felt a hot, fuzzy sensation burn up from my chest into my neck and my tongue felt swollen. Not fear or annoyance or awkwardness. No, these were not the things that occurred to me. What occurred to me would take an entire textbook to explain. What occurred to me, this heat building up in me, was something profoundly bloody. Violence occurred to me. Now, in my mind, I would grab the mouth of this stupid fucking clown and pry apart his stupid fucking jaw and beat him to death with his white-colored, red-splotched mandible. But all I did was wait for the kids to clear, and when the street busied and the clown sipped water from his Nalgene bottle, I found a piece of concrete pavement rock and hurled it at his stupid fucking clown head. It connected. The clown instantly fell to his stupid fucking clown knees. He let out a little moan, a stupid fucking moan, the only word I heard him speak. And then, after he pulled his hand off his head, his stupid red clown glove was covered in stupid fucking clown blood. And then, get this, he actually used a prop handkerchief to collect the blood that poured from his stupid fucking clown head. Of course, by this point, passers-by began to stop and assist the poor stupid fucking clown. But not me. Nope. I stood there and watched. No one, not a soul, knew I'd hit the clown. I know that most people know that under that stupid makeup is just a man, but not me. If you put that stupid shit on your face and prance around in your goofy fucking shoes and pretend to be a fictional fucking gesture, I'll throw a fucking rock at you and watch you bleed. Like I said, I hate clowns like I hate death. The next time I see a clown on the street, I'm gonna go for his lower jaw. What? It's totally worth serving time in jail for. Point is, I aim to embrace my fears. So let this just be my warning to all the clowns in the world. I'm gonna fucking kill you. Lonely in this place. I am afraid of my husband. I'm afraid he'll leave me. I'm afraid I'm not enough of this for him, or too much of that for him. I'm afraid I'm too overdramatic. I'm afraid I'm too much of a gossip. I'm afraid. I have no idea how to fit into this world. I'm afraid I smell funny sometimes. I'm afraid my age is working against me. I'm afraid my husband will leave me. I'm afraid I'll never go to the gym. I'm afraid I'll never have kids. I'm afraid I'll wake up lonelier tomorrow than I feel today. Scary shit that makes you stop and think. Part 3. If the government has no knowledge of aliens, then why does Title 14, Section 1211 of the Code of Federal Regulations implemented on July 16, 1969, make it illegal for U.S. citizens to have any contact with extraterrestrials or their vehicles? Four sunken nuclear submarines sit at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. One, a Russian sub resting in deep waters off Bermuda, holds 16 live nuclear warheads. Scientists and oceanographers are unsure what impact the escaping plutonium will have, but warn that corrosion could create the proper chemical environment for a massive nuclear chain reaction. Within three days of death, the enzymes that once digested your dinner begin to eat you. 
Ruptured cells become food for living bacteria in the gut, which release enough noxious gas to bloat the body and force the eyes to bulge outward. The animal responsible for the most human deaths worldwide is the mosquito. There are five times as many deaths due to negligence of doctors as there are deaths due to firearms. I can't close my eyes. When I lay down to bed at night, the objective is to clear my head so I can fall asleep without realizing it. Of course, my mind can't help but wander, especially when it knows I need sleep. When I was 12, I saw The Exorcist for the first time. I didn't sleep for what felt like six months. Every time I closed my eyes, I would see Linda Blair's head turned around 180 degrees, her hand grasping a bloody crucifix. Today, at 21 years old, if I am lying in bed with my back facing the door, one flashing thought of any horrible image makes me turn around so I can keep my eye on the door. This fear is fabricated solely to make me scared to close my eyes. I know I'm creating it, but I can't control it. It seeps in, stays long enough to scare me, then fizzles, only to return the next time my mind doesn't want me to sleep. Get away from me, you fucking creepy, nasty bugs. One time, a house centipede crawled out of the drain and I was so scared I peed by squatting over the toilet for a week. You know, in case another one came out and decided to crawl up my butt. One time, I told you there were beetles all around me and you informed me that they were actually cockroaches. One time, I almost fucking killed the dog upstairs because he won't shut the fuck up while I'm trying to fucking write this! He's barking because he's afraid he was abandoned because his owners have been gone for 20 fucking minutes! One time, I stood up in the middle of my sleep dancing naked on the bed because I thought we were covered in spiders. And you told my whole family. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List eight. One, I'm afraid of leaving no fingerprints behind after I'm dead and gone, having not made any impression on this earth. Two, I'm afraid of being unnoticed as I move through life. I don't need attention, but I'm afraid of being wallpaper and I feel as though I'm slowly turning into it. Three, I'm afraid of looking stupid in front of people. I'm not vain, or maybe I am, who knows. I'm just hoping that I'm not one of those people who goes about their life looking stupid to other people. Four, I'm afraid I'm too judgmental. Five, I'm afraid I'll never have the security to stop being judgmental. Hoping my apple fell far from the tree. I fear very little in this world. Sure, I have my issues with heights, spiders, and strange noises in the night, but none of those I would classify as fear. Those are simple strums on my fear strings. True fear. Recently came knocking at my door. It started out very nice, but ended very dark. The knock was the one phone call I hoped never to get, at least not for a very long time. The words that traveled across the line let me know that someone I loved very much had killed themselves. My biggest fear came true. Or had it? Now, facing the reality of that fear, I face a new one, and that new fear is even darker. I fear that whatever blood or DNA that flowed through their veins has passed into mine, and that one day I will make the same choice. Seems irrational, I know. I am far different, but one can never tell. We can only have hope.
Don't forget, take your vitamins, stop smoking, eat organic, work out three to four days a week, wear sunscreen, drink more water, floss, stop smoking, check your tire pressure, look both ways, stop smoking, no more putting makeup on while you're driving, same goes for texting, don't forget your yearly pap, Start thinking about life insurance. Never forget your goodnight kiss. I do all these things not to be a better girlfriend, daughter, actor, person. I do all these things not to follow the trends. I do all these things not to be the prettiest, the skinniest, the first, the only. I do all these things to make sure I have the longest amount of time with you possible. I do them because my heart is put in a vice grip when I think of losing a second of that time. Hard Truth The simplest truth about the human condition is also its most unavoidable fear. We all die alone. My fear is a house. My fear is a house, and I wish it would rain so much it would flood my house and leave it clean. It is cluttered with waste and pretty things, but to be quite truthful, I cannot seem to tell the difference between the two, and so I wallow. I'd rather not feel this anymore, this whole set of things wasted and pretty. I'd like very much to start a whole new set of things wasted and pretty. It feels as though I never let anything go. It all stays with me. I hoard the good and the bad, and it builds mountains around me. Mountains I can't ever seem to scale. Mountains that would take all of my energy and attention to scale, even if I had to. And now, they're all around me. And here's little old me, this little girl, this little child, surrounded by mountains. The sun does not come here. These mountains are too high. I wish it would rain. Even if it doesn't rain enough to flood, at least I'll feel something the rest of the world feels when it rains on you. The relief that I'm not alone. I don't want to die before I change the world. I sit there, often I sit there, wondering when I'll snap out of it and do what needs to be done. I can change the world. Anyone can, really. But I know I can. I am fully capable of changing the world. But for now, I'll just sit there. I feel like Holden Caulfield. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of anyone, except myself. There are times when I think I might actually be capable of killing someone, if I had to. There are times when I think, well, I could handle prison, if I had to. There are times when I think I might start a bar fight. I don't have to, but I want to. But I'd prefer someone else started, and then I could jump in and feel like maybe I'd be all right jumping into a bar fight if I had to. There are times when I stub my toe and I see a mushroom cloud in my brain. 
There are times when socially popular and outgoing jackasses are clearly staring at my wife, and I think to myself, I'd very much like to ruin your faces. I'd very much like to literally bash your fucking skulls in. I'd very much like to make pulp out of your entire head. There are times when I feel the blood rush violently through my body and I wonder if I'm going to snap. There are times when I feel I deserve the bad things that happen to me. There are times when I feel as though all of this, my life, my love, everything happy, all of it, is going to end badly. There are times when I feel as though I am not who my parents raised, that I am not even related to them, that I am nothing like anyone I know, and yet strangely not unique. There are times when I want to hurt people. There are times when I want to save people. There are times when I want to see myself die. There are times when I realize that all of this, all existence, is phony. There are times I feel like Holden Caulfield. I'm afraid of myself, plain and simple, but I know I won't do anything. I certainly won't harm anyone, maybe myself. A slow, gradual state of decline in a world full of crooks, in a world full of people who always think something is all true. I'm not sure if this makes a difference to you, or even me, I guess. I just feel that way because life is a game and one must play by the rules, and yet... Every time I cross a street, I seem to disappear. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List nine. One, I fear that I will look back on my life and only then understand the true meaning of regret. Two, I fear that I am too pessimistic to really know beauty. Three, I fear that I am not courageous, that I only pretend to have it. Four, I fear whether or not we actually have souls or that this is all even real. Five, I fear that this is it, that it's only just this, birth, then death, and all this stuff in between. Yeah, I fear that the most, I think. Fear in Stereo The twelve-year-old altar boy said the priest did it wearing nothing but his white collar. Coming up next... How the food you and your family have been eating for generations with no negative consequences is actually full of poison. Why gay people getting married is much worse than the Holocaust. And how global warming is killing baby unicorns because you let the hotel wash your towel. Fear is everywhere. It is the strongest motivator that man has ever known, and it has kept us alive for thousands of years. It crosses all cultural and socioeconomic boundaries. Rich people, poor people, white, black, brown, whatever. We all fear the same things. Pain, suffering, loss, death. Religion has used fear to keep people in line from the beginning, but religion looks like amateur hour next to mainstream media. No one can generate fear and panic like the media. And the threat doesn't even have to be real. Our brains can materialize fear out of nothing. Then it becomes like perpetual energy, a self-sustaining reaction. The more you think about what you fear, the more afraid you become. I guess it's true. The only thing we have to fear is fear ourselves.
One more for the road. He knows. He found out, oh God, he knows, and now he'll leave me. He said he would, and now he will. He said, stop, and I said, yes, and yes, and all right, and didn't. Why didn't I stop when I could when he asked? Oh God, oh God, oh God. All the good in my world, the only thing that holds it together, holds me together, holds me. Hold me. Hold me. Again? Don't let it be the last time. No more good in the world. No more arms holding me together. No more. Together. I'll stop. I've stopped. I've stopped. I've stopped. Promise. God, let me stop. Let it be enough. Scary shit that makes you stop and think. Part 4. Robert Hershey of Hershey Chocolate fame died when he fell into a vat of chocolate and drowned. Adolf Hitler's mother seriously considered having an abortion but was talked out of it by her doctor. On average, 100 people choke to death on ballpoint pens every year. Your statistical chance of being murdered as a U.S. citizen is 1 in 20,000. More people are killed by donkeys annually than are killed in plane crashes. Elephants have been known to die of broken hearts when their mate dies. The average person will spend two weeks of their life waiting for a traffic light to change. Radar. I fear being a momentary blip on someone's radar screen. An echo. When that person is my signal, pulse, and fucking east and west. Stuff. Food prepared by people other than myself. Yeah, that scares me. That's fear. And all that stuff, or lack thereof, in the stuff we eat. The stuff we put in our bodies. Output's all based on input, right? Well, the stuff we shovel into our guts is the same stuff that fuels our brains, our bodies, and our hearts. If you want to get down to the root of what scares you and why, take a look at what you're eating. I'm pretty sure you'll find enough sugar and fat in there to kill a small elephant. I'm also pretty sure that we're all slowly but surely becoming stuff. I'm afraid of tomorrow because of what happens when we run out of all that stuff. We'll start biochemical initiatives that generate stuff from other stuff, only to substitute the stuff we ran out of and then blammo! Now we're caught in a circle of stuff! Stuff here, stuff there, what's for dinner? Stuff! Oh good, I was just starving for stuff! And one day we'll stop and take note of all that has happened as we look at the human race, fat, lazy, unmotivated, and stupid, and we'll say, this does not look like us! And someone will say in response, well, stuff happens. When the alarm goes off, I hate to admit this, to you or anyone, and I feel this is what we're supposed to share here, but I can't have another abortion. That is to say, I cannot get pregnant with this one. He's just like the guy before him, and I feel like I'm moving in circles, and as much as I'm offended by my own actions, there was no way I'd allow a baby conceived with him into this world. And this is the fourth time. One, two, three, four. I'm the third of four siblings, just to give you some perspective. It's haunting to know that I've killed four people and gotten away with it. Or maybe it's not murder, who knows. But 
it feels like it. Sometimes. Other times it feels like it's the right choice. <laughs> Deep down, I have to admit, I know it was the right choice. But I don't feel good about it. At all. Not at all. How can the right choice feel so fucking bad? So painful. So immature and sad. So irresponsible and cheap. So I say this to you. If you don't hear the alarm going off when you're dwelling in my own hypocrisy, you're still a child. And I suppose children can kill children. But when I become an adult, there will be no more blood on my hands. To be or not to be. Time's up. A frightening set of words. And we hear them all the time during tests, at auditions, in appointments, during conversations, at last call, in video games, in relationships, until that pinnacle moment when it marks the end of our lives. And you truly are out of time. In the end, did we do enough? Did we love enough? Did we work enough? Did we enjoy enough, 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 enough? And did we do it in time? Did we do enough to exist? To exist? That is the question, right? The question that many Hamlets on many stages have asked, right? I sit here as my own time is running out and I feel myself disappear, literally doing the opposite of existing. And why? Why has this happened to me? Why do I feel dark and invisible? Why do I feel people pass me by? And I am afraid, afraid of making the wrong choice, afraid of not seizing my life in time, afraid to lose something in order to gain another, afraid of not being seen, afraid of being absorbed by my husband, afraid, afraid of what is happening to me. And I sit here as my time clicks by and nothing happens and time's up. And I am afraid. Nothing to fear but fear itself. Man, I fear nothing. There ain't a man, woman, or child alive who can touch me. I'm like a god in this town. You heard of folk being born under a bad sign? Well, I was just born bad. There weren't no signs about it. You don't believe me. You want to test me? You want to take your shot? Well, come on. Let's see what you got. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. They write songs about me, fool. You don't tug on Superman's cape and you sure as shit don't want to be fucking with me. You better be scared of me or else... Or else... What if you ain't? What if you ain't scared of me? What then? What am I without your fear? Can you feel anything else for me? Nah, you can't touch me. You can't touch the untouchable. You can't love me. Can't love the unlovable. I'm a junkyard dog. And that's all I am. All I'll ever be. And I fear nothing. Ten lists of five things I'm afraid of. List ten.
One, I fear giant meteors slamming into the earth, wiping us all out. Two, I fear the sun exploding. Three, I fear robots taking over the world or computers or even aliens. Four, I fear the red button in the White House. Five, I fear the future and how quickly the world is changing. Control. I fear everything. I fear my future. I fear the things I've already done. I fear checking my bank account. I fear the monster hiding under my bed. I use fear as an excuse. I use fear to keep me from doing the tough things. I control fear, bend it to suit my needs. I fear nothing, for I cannot control true fear. I never want to feel that kind of fear. The days we remember that someday we and everyone we know will die. There is a calm about the sea. There is a chill about the air. There is a kind of hopeful feeling in how the days ahead, specifically tomorrow, will fare. As quickly as they came, they left. As quickly as they left, there came a bitter memory sweetened only by the sting of loss. How could it be otherwise? There is no way, I'm sad to say, of observing the moment before it becomes memory. It comes, we comment, it goes, we recall. How could it be otherwise? There is no way, I'm sad to say, of conserving present sensations presently. It comes, we observe, it goes, we withdraw. There is a calm about the sea. There is a chill about the air. There is a kind of hopeful feeling in how the days ahead, specifically tomorrow, will fare. Scary Shit That Makes You Stop and Think, Part 5. Okay, this one scares me the most. Almost every single person who hears this will now attempt to lick their elbow. See? You have been listening to Chatterbox Audio Theater's production of The Human Experience, Episode 2, Fear. The contributed titles and their performers were as follows. The Closet Door, Plethora, and Hard Truth, featuring Matt Rapport. Heights, Hoping My Apple Fell Far From The Tree, and One More For The Road, featuring Todd Lanker. Ten Lists of Five Things I'm Afraid Of, featuring Vanessa Severo. Fear of the Father, Fatherhood, and Control, featuring Gary Neal Johnson. Always Be Afraid, and Two Girls and the Spider Between Them, featuring Ashley Lapine. Empty Fear, Something Funny, Something Real, and Don't Forget, featuring Aaron Preston. Scary Shit That Makes You Stop and Think, featuring Kyle Hatley. Laundry After Sunset, and Radar, featuring Kelly Gibson. These Questions and Stuff, featuring Grant Pruitt. I'm Fucking Scared, Indistinguishable, Standing on the Edge of Nowhere, and When the Alarm Goes Off, featuring Katie Gilchrist. 
A Fear of Fairy Tales, Good Ones, and Shake, featuring Eva Biro, Creator of Stars, and To Be or Not to Be, featuring Kathleen Warfel. I can still hear you saying you would never break the chain. The coke-addicted ghost named Rose, and Lonely in This Place, featuring Natalie Licardello. Fearlessness, featuring Rufus Burns. My Kryptonite, or The Worst Super Feeling in the World, and I Feel Like Holden Caulfield, featuring Dugan Brown. I Sit, and I Can't Close My Eyes, featuring Carrie Lenahan. Fearless, featuring Tim Alanius. I'm Brave, featuring Kyle Dick. Actor's Nightmare, and I Don't Want to Die Before I Change the World, featuring V-Tram. Momentary Pause, Slightly Reflective and Only Slightly Overheard, and Fuck Your Nose, featuring TJ Chastine. Opening Remarks, Are Grown-Ups Ever Scared, and The Days We Remember That Someday We and Everyone We Know Will Die, featuring Mark Robbins. Truly, featuring Matthew McAndrews. White Noise, featuring Charles Fugate. Fuck Fear, featuring Tyson Schroeder. Fear is Funny That Way, and My Fear is a House, featuring Emily Peterson. Just a Dream, Right? Featuring Joseph Concha. The Time I Almost Got Murdered at Home Depot, and Get Away From Me, You Creepy Nasty Bugs, featuring Andrea Morales. Fear in Stereo, featuring Martin Buchanan, Stephen Renteria, Katie Gilchrist, Dugan Brown, and Tim Alanius. Nothing to Fear But Fear Itself, featuring Bob Leinberger. Project Contributors in Alphabetical Order. Tim Alanius, PJ Barnett, Dugan Brown, TJ Chastine, Joe Concha, Angela Christentello, Kyle Dick, Dan Ernest, Stephen Eubank, Charles Fugate, Kelly Gibson, Katie Gilchrist, Adam Hatley, Kyle Hatley, Glenn Hopper, Lindsay King, Dina Kirsch, Ashley Lapine, Carrie Lenahan, Natalie Licardello, Bob Leinbarger, Brian Moses, Emily Peterson, Ginny Pike, Aaron Preston, Stephen Renteria, Tyson Schroeder, Casey Scoggins, VTran. Original music composed and performed by Aaron Preston. Assistant produced by Stephen Renteria. Produced by Joe Concha. Created and directed by Kyle Hatley. This is your announcer, Emily Peterson. Chatterbox Audio Theatre is a non-profit, web-based community theatre that advances the exchange of ideas by channeling creativity and artistic collaboration into recorded audio works that enlighten, entertain, and inspire. Download all our shows, meet our cast and crew, and make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheatre.org. Thank you for listening to Monday Matinee right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual feeds, including Tuesday Terrors for Horror, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for Action, Adventure, Mystery, and Crime Drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week, from our United Artists of Audio. 
right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.